Well, it's fun to be back in contemporary worship, especially on a communion Sunday, where we have a chance to celebrate the sacrament together. Um, how many of you remember Noel and Heidi Snyder? Any of you remember Noel and Heidi? Well, this message is for you. <laughs> this is, uh, Noel has completed his PhD at Fuller Seminary. And uh, he's coming back. The graduation is next weekend. And Lynn and I are hosting a little reception for Noel and Heidi and their children on Thursday evening at 6.30 at our home down at the end of the block. So if you'd like to have a chance to just connect with Noel and Heidi and see their children, that'd be the opportunity this Thursday night at 6.30. Um, You may remember Noel uh, Noel was here as a worship assistant for five years while he was a student at Fuller. He's now the chaplain at Alma College. And um, when they were here, is this mic working? You can hear it all right? Yeah, I guess I got it. I'll uh, put this a little closer. How's that? Oh, is it? It's cutting in and out? How about two? What if we do two? You want to take this one off? Oh, take off my jacket? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> what else do you want me to take off? <laughs> Here. This could be a memorable uh, worship service here. Okay, let's try that. Can you hear all right now? It's not cutting off? Okay. The kryptonite in my jacket that's the problem. So, well, let's get comfortable, shall we? (laughs) The other important announcement uh, before I read the scripture is that uh, next Sunday we have a congregational meeting following the 9 o'clock worship services, and uh, that's for the purpose of receiving the report of our officer nominating committee and uh, uh, voting on electing our new officers for the church. So uh, next Sunday, immediately after worship, at the, conclo- at the close in the sanctuary, 10 o'clock, we'll gather together and we'll have a brief congregational meeting. Uh, I want to read from the book of Galatians this morning. Our text for today is uh, from the first chapter of Galatians, a uh, wonderful, wonderful book that Paul wrote about freedom in the Christian life. And uh, he's laying his argument out in this first chapter. Let me read and now listen for God's word. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. You've heard, no doubt, of my earlier life in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles, I did not confer with any human being Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me, but I went away at once into Arabia, and afterwards I returned to Damascus. 
Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and stayed with him for 15 days. But I did not see any other apostle except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard it said, the one who formerly was persecuting us is now proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. May God speak to us by his word. Each and every one of us is involved in a construction project. Each and every one of us is building a life. Some amongst us are rather early in that construction project, and some amongst us, like me, are uh, rather far along in that construction project. But wherever we are, we're still building a life. Whether we're successful in life is determined in part by how we build and what materials we use to build our lives. Some of us are very grateful for the families in which we were raised and particularly for our parents that helped us get a strong foundation in life. And it's lasted for a lifetime. In fact, for some of us, the older we get, the more we realize how important that foundation was. How we relate to things is one of the ways in which we build our lives. How we relate to others. What we believe is most important in life. How we relate to money. What we think life's purpose is. These are all building blocks of our lives. We even build our lives by how we deal with those empty pieces of ourselves. In fact, I would say that in some ways, how we deal with emptiness within ourselves, with incompleteness in our lives, is one of the most important things about us. So we're all in this building project, and we must lay a foundation for life. Twenty years ago, while we were preparing to move into a home in Princeton, New Jersey, our home burned down. Uh, it was, uh, uh, we had um, purchased this home and we were doing a small remodel on the kitchen. And uh, we had moved some things over into the garage in order to store them there as we were preparing to move in. The contractor on a Friday had uh, sanded the floors and put the stain down on the new hardwood floors. And he put the vacuum cleaner and he put the rags and the stain in the garage. Uh, that day, the new kitchen cabinets had just arrived. Those were in the garage. And uh, somehow, with all that combustible material, spontaneous combustion happened and the fire began, and since nobody was there, it was undetected, and it worked all night. And through the night, it finally poked through the, the roof line and got all the oxygen it needed, and it ran down the rafters. 
So I got a call in the morning. I was having my coffee on Saturday morning. It happened to be my birthday. And, uh, and it was the contractor. And his sign was in the front yard. And so the fire department called the contractor. And he called us. And we went over there immediately. And there were 35 firemen climbing all over the house trying to extinguish the flames. And uh, Lynn had the presence of mind to quip, she turned to me and she said, uh, honey, your birthday gift is in the garage. <laughs> so at least we were able to keep a sense of humor. But it took us a year to rebuild that home. And uh, I can remember on one occasion with the new contractor, <laughs> um, I would go over every day and check on the progress and talk with the contractor, and there were decisions to make about the doors and the hardware and, you know, the uh, tile and one thing or another. So I was over there on one occasion, and they'd done most of the demolition of this, of this home, uh, and I was concerned because it sure looked to me like there was still a lot of burn area on the lumber they were still going to use. So uh, he, he convinced me that that wouldn't be the case, but I was worried that once we moved into the house, it would smell like smoke. So I climbed up on this workbench, and I grabbed a nail, and I scratched this two-by-four, and I said, look, this is not smoke damage. This is char. <laughs> you have to do a better job of the demolition. You have to get rid of this. You have to take this back to where you can find some good lumber. And they did. And thankfully, we never did have any smell of smoke in that home. And we sold it years later without telling the, the next buyer about what happened. But uh, <laughs> no, we, we, we had no problems with selling the home much later. But uh, it took some time to rebuild. And I learned some things about construction during that period of time. When you're building, you have to use the right materials. Uh, recently, a young high school senior walked into the college counselor's office. It had been a tough year for this senior. Uh, it started with uh, a big lie the previous summer. This senior had, uh, was supposed to go to summer school, but lied to her parents and to her counselors at school and said that she had gone and that she had enrolled in this class and even that she had gotten B's in the class when she hadn't taken the class at all. Well, that little lie eventually came out and created quite a problem for her and for others. So here she is finally graduating from high school with her admission to college in hand and all that had been water under the bridge. But she came to the counselor's office where she had lied the previous year. And she said, Mrs. O'Grady, I suck at lying. And it was, it was a great moment because Mrs. O'Grady said to her, you know, we should all suck at lying. And if you learned in this year the importance of honesty, 
you may be the smartest kid in the graduating class because that will serve you well. Now, what we build with in our lives makes a lot of difference. If you want to know what to build with, look at Proverbs in the Old Testament. Great advice in Proverbs about how to build a life. The Apostle Paul is writing in Galatians about how to build a life on faith. And it's very important to him that the foundation be secure. I mean, think of another text of Scripture in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus says, the one who listens to my words and does them is like the one who builds on solid ground. Others build upon sand, and when the storms in life come, their life gets washed away. But if you listen to my words and build upon that foundation, your house will stand. So Paul was a deeply religious man. He obeyed all 613 laws of Moses. He had studied with the great Gamaliel in Jerusalem. It's like the equivalent of having a Stanford education. Uh, He led an exemplary life. And he was intent on destroying this new Christian faith that had emerged. Paul wanted to get his hands on the followers of Jesus until Jesus laid his hands on Paul. And he discovered not another great teacher like Gamaliel, but a living presence that fulfilled his life, that transcended his life, that illuminated his life. And it changed everything. The whole foundation of his life shifted. The persecutor became the proclaimer of faith in Christ. And he tells his story in this passage because he's defending himself against an accusation that he's not really an authentic witness because he wasn't there when Jesus lived and when he died. But he's much like we are witnesses not to the death of Jesus, but to his living presence today. And he wasn't going to give any ground to his detractors on that point. Paul had to rethink everything about his life. The foundation he built upon had shifted. And what interests me most about this passage is verse 15. There's a transition that takes place in verse 15. And it says simply, but when God. Up to that point, Paul's talking about his life, about what he had been building in his life and how he had structured his life and how uh, aggressive and assertive he'd been and how he'd really accomplished a great deal in his life. But when God laid his hands on him, everything changed. He says, when God was pleased to reveal his son to me, I did not confer with any human being. Paul was a remarkably careful builder of his life. And God intervened in a remarkable way. All of a sudden, it wasn't about Paul anymore. It wasn't about his faith. 
It wasn't about his patriotism to his country. All of a sudden, it wasn't about his self-discipline or his dietary regulations or his employment or income. Life became about what God is up to in the world and how he could align his life with what God was doing. Sometimes religion feels a lot like a bunch of rules. And rules sometimes break people. And sometimes people break rules. Eugene Peterson, in his translation of the New Testament called The Message, describes it this way. God is not trying to control us with a bunch of rules and regulations on the outside. He has set us free by giving us new life on the inside. And that's what Paul's talking about in Galatians. For some of us, religious faith is kind of a capstone of our life. It's like the cherry on top of our life. You build life, you work hard, and through determination, you keep the rules, you exercise self-discipline. God helps those who help themselves, after all. We're in control of it. We're at the center of our own lives. Faith is perhaps a nice and maybe even important addition, but what drives life is something else. Except sometimes we find ourselves a little out of control of ourselves. I see our children are coming back in for communion. So let me wrap this up. Sometimes we lose control of ourselves. Sometimes we worry about ourselves. Sometimes we worry that we're, what we're building is about to fall over. We wonder if we've used the right materials. We wonder if we've built on level ground. We wonder whether we have built true and plumb. Sometimes we're terrified at what might happen in our lives. We worry about our health or we worry about our memories. We worry about what might happen in our family life to our children and to our relationships with others. But when God intervenes in our lives, there is new life on the inside and it sets us free. Paul is uncompromising with respect to the foundation of life. It's not rule following. It's not grinding it out with clenched fists and clenched teeth. That was his former life. There's no place for that in the community of the church of Jesus Christ. The life God intends is full of freedom within the grace of God and new life from within by the power of the Spirit of God. It's vital to build upon that foundation. In the Reformation time, it would come to be known as justification by grace through faith alone. Life in this kind of faith becomes an adventure again. It's an adventure of learning and discovering and thankfulness and gratitude and love for others and love for yourself. And it all comes from this love of God with all our mind, with all our heart, with all our spirit, with everything we have. So this morning, perhaps the Lord is dealing with you. Don't resist it. 
It may be that God has been trying to become a larger part of your life or to help you build your life in the right way with the right materials for the right reasons, to help you address some problem in your life, some anxiety about the future that you carry with you, some emptiness that you feel that you cannot fill. Whatever God is doing in your life, don't resist it. When God, but when God in Paul's life made all the difference. We're about to celebrate the Lord's table. We're about to come into his presence and to take his presence into our lives. Paul didn't have to confer with any human being. Neither do you. Whatever God is doing in your life today, let him in as you receive the elements of communion. Thanks be to God. Amen.